Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Detroit Lions Podcast here with Bischoff and Brown. This is Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. We are back after another Lions victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. Great win. It was phenomenal to go to 7-2. and two. Scott, my man, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. It's it's a Wednesday evening. I'm, I'm ready. I've been excited to do this show since Sunday night. Um, I'd love to do a live recap sometime. Maybe we can uh, get the keys to the car to do that at some point. That'd be a lot of fun. Just simply because it, it's so it's just so great to to talk about it when it's fresh. Um, but it, I like also the kind of the buffer of a few days because we're film junkies and we get an opportunity to kind of dive in a little bit. Um, as we were talking pre-show, trying to fix this defense a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that'll be kind of an emphasis of today's show. But we do want to uh, start right with the recap of the Chargers. Lions win 41-38. They've got the second best record in the NFC, one of the best records in the NFL. Um, second best offense in the NFL as far as total yards per game. Um, just phenomenal. But Big game, big win, um, definitely a nail-biter. They were up 17-3 to at one point. It kind of felt like they had it in the bag early just simply because of the way that they were playing, and uh, it obviously ended up being a lot closer. But initial thoughts here or kind of a few days to stew on it. What was your thoughts on this game, and, and how do you feel after the win? So, I, you know, we, I think it's something that we should all be happy. Uh, obviously, that's, let me restart because that's about the dumbest thing you could say. <laughs> Anytime you can bust off a 75-yard run with your power back in the way they made that look with Jamison getting in front of that and Khalif Raymond doing all that stuff, it's just like it is such a ridiculous thing to watch. So you had that going on. You had Gibbs looking like, you know, pretty electric player. Uh, Clearly a very different player than I think a lot of people thought uh, as as a, you know, as a gimmick and a third down uh, pass kept, kept, catching weapon kind of a player, clearly not that he can run it between the tackles. He's he's a you know he's a he's a very good player. And then some of the creative uh, you know the stuff they did with Amon Ra. Uh, I think the thing that I, that I I took away from the whole thing was just how aggressive Campbell was, but also um, how self aware. He is at times, and it doesn't mean he's not going to make mistakes. But in this particular situation, you're you're six and two. You're you travel out to the West Coast. You have the ball. Uh, what was it around the twenty five yard line or so with two minutes left in the game, just after the two minute warning? And yeah, fourth and whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, self, kick the field goal. And the problem there is that. If you do that, you you give the ball back to the Chargers. And I think most coaches would have taken the field goal there. Mm-hmm. And he has the the aware the self-awareness and the understanding of we've done this in the past and it's burned us. So we are not going to kick the field goal. We're going to go for it on fourth down. I trust my guys to get this first down. 
and then the game is over. And just how, just witnessing all that stuff and seeing it all get executed the way it got executed, I was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just how impressive they, it was a showing on offense and coach, and then nothing is perfect, but you know, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, offensively, the decision making. You know, obviously, you'd love to get you, you want to get points every time you're in the red zone. So mm-hmm. going forward on fourth and fourth, that was it was a weird possession um, in the first half where they went for it and they ended up firing the ball into like the fifth row yeah. <laughs> on fourth down. Yeah, that was a weird possession. But you know, um, if you're going to be aggressive, you got to be aggressive. And I just think that looking at that decision, especially the, the one late in the fourth quarter, it was just it was awesome. It was great. What I mean, what did what did you take away from the, from the I mean defense we're, we're going to talk about. So, yeah. But what did you take away from the offense and and some of the decisions that were made? Yeah, I mean starting with the decision, I I mean I'm normally a pretty conservative person when it comes to the play calling side, but when they threw the ball out of bounds or towards the sideline on the out route to to St. Brown, I knew that they were going for it because the clock had stopped and I knew Dan Campbell understood the situation of the game. Like, I can't give the ball back to them with timeouts. I can't do any of that. Like, I I have to put the pressure on Staley and that coaching staff. And knowing the history of that coaching staff, he knows in the back of his mind that they've made mistakes as far as coaches go and players. So I think he put the trust in not just his offense, but in his defense to potentially come up with the football again or make a stop there if they weren't to get it. Um, but I just, I love that he's always swinging for the fences. He's, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging. And that's exactly who he is. He's talked about that from the very beginning. That's the identity of this football team. That's who he is. And I, I love the decision. And I'll be honest, when they went to kick the field goal, I thought it was going to get blocked. I thought it was going to be a bad snap. I, oh, yeah. I like <laughs> the way the camera view was, it was like, oh my God, this is going to happen to us. And, Fortunately, it didn't. Um, but yeah, you mentioned the, the 75 yard run. I think it was a phenomenal run uh, for simply what Jamison Williams did in that run. Because had he not stepped up and been a team guy, if he would have been the diva receiver uh, that some guys are in the, in this league, he would have let all of that happen downfield, and it would have been a 45 yard run rather than yeah. a 75 yard run. So I, I think it's great. Uh, the offensive line came out today as far as pro football focus, number one ranked offensive line in football. I had a, a film piece today that dropped um, on the Lions offensive line, some of their best run blocks for the Lions wire. And it's true, man. I mean, they are such a good unit up front. These running backs are getting two to three yards per carry before they're even getting touched. And a lot of that is because of Jonah Jackson coming back. Yeah, because of Frank Ragnow being back, obviously the consistency that we see from Sewell and Decker, but the the underrated player offensively all year has been Graham Glasgow at right guard, and he has been such a great one year signing for them, a veteran piece up front. There's a run. Um, I'm trying to remember who had the football. I want to say Gibbs had it, and um, oh, I'm sorry, no, it was the fourth and five uh, trap play. To with Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. And he is in his stance and he flashes to, and I, I this is in the article, but he flashes to the three technique that's in his outside shoulder. He flashes like he's going to block him and then quickly gets up to the second level, seals off the linebacker. Jackson does a great job 
sealing off the the, tr- uh, the the tackle that crashes inside, and it creates this rushing lane where Montgomery was untouched on a trap play for four to five yards, where that's all he needed was four or five yards, and he ended up getting six or seven, and it was a first down. And it's just like those little details and technique that this team has up front makes them so good and consistent, and that's why they can put up 41 on the road against the Chargers football team that has Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and and some of the players that they have defensively. Meanwhile, I think that's why we look at it and say, we can play with anybody because of this unit up front offensively and really defensively because defensively, they do a great job in stopping the run, and that was something we talked about last week with with this game in the preview, is just simply... We were concerned about the the running attack of Austin Eckler and what the yeah. Chargers had because we knew we were going to stop it. Um, but I, f- I feel good. I, I think it was a good win. We knew it was going to be a tough game. If we, we look back at, at the episodes that we've done, we've talked about a couple of trap games already. We felt like if there was any trap game on the schedule. This probably was one of them. I don't know what's next. Maybe the, maybe the Broncos is a trap game potentially, but I don't know. I'm not going to look that far ahead. This just felt like a game that, if they lose, is it? I don't want to say same old Lions, but is this a is this a different Lions team coming out of the bye? And it, they didn't look like it. They looked like an even better football team coming out of their bye week. So it was a great win, like we said, seven and two, forty one thirty eight. Uh, you'll love to see it. Jared Goff, David Montgomery. Get, I mean, just everybody played so well. Um, and I and I got to give credit to Khalif Raymond too, setting up that big. Uh, catch on the in in the in the uh, fourth quarter on the last drive of the game. Four-yard catch. He is so fast. Yeah. I mean, so fast. And I think the way that he gets utilized is the way that I think people want to start seeing Jamison Williams get utilized because Raymond is, he should see the field more. And it seems like they let everybody else do the dirty work, get kind of tired out, and then they just bring the speedster in and he just blows by everybody. I don't know if that's the mindset, but... I, I just, I love that play call and I, I love that player. I think he is such a fun player for this team. And the, the misdirection of that play was just filthy. You yeah. know, uh, you set, I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I think you set up that kind of a play for a few quarters. Mm-hmm. This is the look we're going to give you. We're going to motion, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we're going to hit it and hit it and hit it. And, yeah. and the, you know, when we really need it with four minutes left in the game, <laughs> you know, the banana, banana and the tailpipe kind of dealio, and boom, uh, yeah. things change quickly. Um, there was just a lot of that in this game where on offense, there was so much that you thought, wow, it's awesome. Yeah. Dude, you I know, mean, they so- five, it doesn't get talked about 533 total yards of offense for the Lions. Like, I don't know the last time I've seen that. And this is consecutive weeks now, 200 plus rushing yards for this offense. And I don't know the last time I saw that. Barry Sanders? I mean, honestly, Barry Sanders. I, I don't... Possibly Joyke Bell and Reggie Bush maybe together at a point? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Not sure. I, I just know at one point when Matt Stafford was the quarterback of this team throughout his like 10 years in the, in the organization at one point at, at like the 10-year mark, they only had seven games. At this point, he had played like 80 or 90 games. They only had yeah. seven games of a 100-yard rusher. And here they are consecutive weeks with 200 yards. And it's just like, it's a completely different football team from, and we talk about it every week. It's a, it's a different team than what we've seen in years past and really maybe in our lifetime. And it's just, it's a great feeling. And I'm just trying to enjoy every minute of it, which is why I love doing this show and everything that we get to do with it, because it's been great. Um, 
But I say, well, okay, it's, you know, what, what are we, eight, we're 10, 10 weeks in, and there are multiple games where you've had David Montgomery, of all people, mm-hmm. who people accuse of being slow, all this other, whatever. Montgomery busted off these huge runs where it's like they just scored on a 75 yard run. Yeah. Like it's kind of unheard of, you know, like uh, what they're doing is pretty remarkable on offense. It really is. Yeah. Offer playing great. Yeah. And, um, and Montgomery, Montgomery's hit a hundred plus yards rushing three times this year. Like he's been banged up. He's only played in six games, but He's he's good for a touchdown a game. He's good for four or five yards a pop. He runs hard. Yeah. And like you mentioned, a guy that it was was claimed as not fast, really kind of like a broken back. And boy, does he rejuvenate himself. It it just seems like every running back that comes in here, they re- rejuvenate themselves. First Do you remember Jamal. the uh the gnashing of the teeth, so to speak, about him and Jamal Williams? Yeah. I was like, no, this is a serious upgrade from what they've had in the past. Yeah. And it's going to tear it up against offense, and he has. Yes. And when you watched him from the Bears, it was just like he was he was a good player for them. They just didn't have an offensive line, and they didn't yeah. have the consistency at the quarterback position where Jared Goff's been incredibly consistent as a quarterback. And we, we talk about this a lot with, with draft prospects, right? Like uh, technically sound, and he's got a good base. He's got, you know, uh, he's he's – consistently throwing on a good platform or, you know, this defensive end is always working his hands, you know, so on and so forth. But with Jared Goff, it is, there is never a throw that I can really look at and be like, wow, he had terrible form. He had a terrible base. His throwing motion is out of whack. Like everything he does is so controlled. And he, he, it's like, it's almost like he's throwing in a phone booth. Like he can just sit there and everything's tight and he's good. And like you go to the Saints game, and Jameis Winston comes in, and I'm not even kidding you. There is a throw that I have on my Twitter because Josh Norris uh, of Underdog Fantasy had a, a clip of it. His base, Jameis Winston's base, is a yard and a half long from where his back foot is to where his, his drive foot is. And it is just like, oh my God. Like it, I watch the Lions every week in depth, and it's like, I don't see that with Jared Goff. I don't see that with this offense. I don't see these mistakes that other teams have offensively. And it's just, it is such a breath of fresh air because I feel like for much of my life, probably your life, it just over the last several years, because of how bad it was, it was like, man, this team is almost unwatchable. And yeah. now it's it's like, there's so much good coming out of it, especially offensively. It's been great. Yeah. Um, but as for the defensive side, there's been some struggles and we know there's been some struggles um, against the Chargers. They gave up. 420 yards of offense they gave up you know obviously 38 points and it really was a kind of a back and forth game despite a strong start from the defense the the defense had some pressure early they forced a a couple of punts had an interception um but just the the defense is struggling and whether it's the pass rush whether it's the coverage scheme there's there's ways to fix it i mean from your observation what do you think is wrong? What do you think we need to fix here? Is it is it Aaron Glenn? Is it the players? What what is it? It's a great question. I, I don't know. Question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, it's a yeah generalized. Um, I wonder. I wonder if there if there's a generalized cuteness to what they're doing. 
um, in a way to manufacture pressure because they're not necessarily getting there in a traditional way. Yeah. Last year, they didn't do this early in the season either. And then something switched. Um, last year, what it seemed that they did to free Hutchinson was to allow him just to, to get up into a two-point stance and to line him up a little bit wider and to, to give him different angles to attack. Um, this seems more team pervasive than than just trying to get one guy going, though. So I wonder, um, you know, if if Hutchinson's not giving you a bunch of pressures or if he's having, you know, has a rough matchup, whatever it is, you know you're not going to generate much pressure. So how do you how do you then try to disrupt disrupt timing and you know make it uncomfortable for a quarterback? They didn't blitz a lot, right? So there's a reason why I think they didn't blitz because they needed everybody. They needed as much in the back end as they could get, but then they made things I think a little more difficult on themselves by by um I mean I don't know what you think, but like the idea of allowing Keenan Allen to run to run um, manned up routes against anybody I think is a losing proposition mm-hmm. if you give the quarterback enough time to find him. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you cover him. So I would have. I think it would have been simple just to say, let's bracket him and ask uh, Quentin Johnston and Gerald Everett, you know, guys like that to beat you. Mm -hmm. They didn't seem to want to do that. I don't know if they are doing too much on defense. You know what I mean? Like, are there too many formations, too many alignments, too much stuff that they have to communicate amongst themselves? and And that's tough. Especially under pressure, under stress, when you're when you're trying to deal with a guy like Keenan Allen, right? Um, and then no pressure and all and all the time that you're giving him, he is going to he's going to pick you apart. So I've talked for a little while about things that I that I think they I don't know how to fix it other than just being more aggressive. So simplifying things on the back in the back end and just and being much more aggressive up front and. Not playing so much contained, but just go. Right. And yeah, yeah, I'm curious curious where you are with it, because it's not a simple thing, whatever it is. It's not simple. No, and I I think if we had the right answer, the correct answers for it, I I I don't think we'd be sitting here on a podcast talking about it. I think we'd be sitting in in some locker room somewhere, you know, drawing it up. But I I think you're right. I think the, the consistency of always trying to contain is there. And they just need to stop doing that. They need to become more aggressive off the edge. And I even think it's with Hutchinson. Like there's times when you watch him that it just it feels like when he's in his pass rush, he's thinking. And a, a pass rusher doesn't need to think. He no. needs to do one thing: go get the quarterback. You're pass yeah. rushing. Yeah. And I I would watch these guys rush against the Chargers and. Herbert's uh, he's an athlete. He's a great he's a great quarterback. He has all the tools to be elite, but I would have forced him to get into the toolbox and become elite against me with the arm by sending as much pressure as I could. And if he if he beat me over the top on a deep route, so be it. Okay, I, I now go from a single high safety to a two high shell. Uh I I don't send 5, I now send 4. Or I don't send 6, I send 5. Him yeah. 
I think they're trying to mix and match that stuff. And you you brought it up. Uh, there was one, you know, the clip I sent earlier t- via text between us. Charles Harris was lined up as the nose tackle. And it's like, that's fine. That's been a common trend in the NFL right now. TJ Watts doing it for the Steelers. Miles Garrett is doing it. Teams are trying to get speed on the interior because they're getting one-on-one with centers who have, you know, normally they're shorter, they're more stout, they've got shorter arms. Um, and they, their speed, they're just not able to, to pick their heads up fast enough yeah. to get to those edge rushers, which it makes sense. But I'll be honest, Charles Harris has lost a step. He is not as fast as he once was. And if there's anybody that's going to have some speed off up there, it's going to be Hutch. And Hutch has done it earlier in the year. But for whatever reason, in this particular game, they they spent a lot of time dropping Hutch into coverage. And I don't know if that's like foreshadowing for the future of maybe this week against the Bears where he can pick off Justin Fields again. But there was one where he was close and had yeah. he has continued getting depth, he would have had it. Um, I think that's the big thing is is there's guys that are just overthinking. There, there's a lot of trust in guys like Jack Campbell and Brian Branch who are, you know, they're nine games into their NFL careers. And it it's hard to be elite as a rookie nine games into your career when you're playing against a very good quarterback in Justin Herbert. But also... They're the new guys on the job. And I I can't speak for anybody else, but I know that when I was, you know, a new guy in my profession and the new guy at my job, I never wanted to make a mistake. I didn't want to be that guy, the new guy that made a mistake. So you you work timidly and you end up making mistakes. And I think that happens from time to time in the NFL when you have two to three seconds to make a decision. Am I going left? Am I going right? How much depth do I got to get? So I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think just schematically, they've got to find a, a good blend between zone coverage and man coverage. And it just, you know, when you're playing chess, this is what this is. And there are times when Aaron Glenn calls man coverage and he gets beat. And there's times he calls zone and he gets beat. And there's zone beaters in these routes that that he can't do. And the, the Chargers won quite a bit with a lot of mesh. They would use... Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and they would, you know, run those crossers in, in the shallow cross areas. And I think that was something that, you know, if they can find a way to fix that with more zone coverage, okay, those mesh routes aren't there. And now you got pressure, but they just continuously ran man on it. And that's when they were getting beat. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, you know, a guy like Herbert, he got in rhythm and, so that's good, the thing is he they went up against a, a guy who got hot mm-hmm. and Keaton Allen's a tough matchup to I, I don't it doesn't matter who's covering him that's tough it's yeah. a tough assignment and you know can we just chalk it up to the Chargers having a really really good day on offense maybe you know um, I mean they still it was still the Lions were they were able to overcome it in the end so. Um, Definitely a little alarmed about what it, what feels like a multiple week or longer sort of drought that the defense is in, and yet still walking away from these games winning. It's huge. It's super important while recognizing they got to figure out a way to make it work a little more efficiently and effectively than than it has been. Because you just can't, you can't line up and say, "All right, we're going to do exactly what we've been doing." Well, you've given up. You gave up thirty-eight points. Yeah, and you know, um, like the the throw that Herbert makes to Keenan Allen, where Jerry Jacobs is in a bit in trail coverage, and it's just such a ridiculous route. It's a touchdown. 
And, you know, when you look at where Jacobs was in that, in that coverage, and he was pretty tight in coverage, but where the ball was placed, like you could, you could have walked down the field and, and just reached it out and put it on Keenan Allen's front shoulder. And that's exactly where it would have had to go. And Herbert was able to put it there. Hey, sometimes it's like, congratulations, nice play. You know, great throw, great route. Uh, you know what? Well, and and the same thing with Jalen Guyton. The the you know, the, and he scores his first touchdown since twenty twenty one. And Herbert throws it on a rope. And Kirby Joseph was there, but he was a half a step late. And I think part of it was misalignment. I think, I, I mean, call me crazy, but if I got a single high safety and I got trips to you know to my left or my right, I'm gonna probably shade over to that trip side, and I'm gonna let my corner on the single receiver side maybe just play a little bit more off man coverage or just man that guy up. And he ended up, he was on the, you know, to the defensive side, he was on the right hash and he was coming across the field to the left hash where Guyton was up on the seam. And Herbert fires that one in there and it looked like Joseph was going to play the ball. And then at the very last second, took his eyes off the ball and played the receiver and it ended up fitting in there. So yeah, it's like, it kind of goes back to my point pre-show of in, in, in via text is like Dan Campbell said it on Monday. We got to fix some things fundamentally. I think that's what he's referring to. Things like that, getting a line correctly, playing the football, don't worry about the guy. Those are the fundamentals that I think we're talking about or that he's talking about. And I think that's important. So I think they'll get there. I, th- I really do. Um, I think they need Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back. I'm very intrigued with Bruce Irvin. I mean... I don't think he's going to be a guy that comes in and gets you 10 sacks down the stretch here, but I think his speed is a difference maker. And I think it tells you everything you need to know about James Houston. He's not coming back. So, yeah. And if he does, it's going to be really late. Right. And, and then you just don't know. It's been such a long time. How quickly can he get back into shape? And you know what I mean? Like there's, there's too much wild card there to, to really have any, any vibes of, being able to, you know, rely upon him coming back. So I'm with you. Um, you know, Irvin to me is going to be sort of like a situational pass rusher type. Yep. Whatever he gives them is, is it's great. You know, uh, yep. we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And um, yeah, even if that means he's playing 10 to 15 snaps a game, so be it. I, I think it's, I think it's an upgrade over um, Romeo Quora. I, I think that guy's shot. I think he's done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's not he's not really able to move the way that he used to. Yeah. And and that's the other thing. I mean, there's so much relying on Aiden Hutchinson. Isaiah Bugs is just purely a power rusher. Benito Jones, the same type of deal. Um, John Kaminsky can flash here and there. But Julian Okwara had a really nice pass rush. It was though third and eleven where he got called for um, I don't know, legal hands to the face or or whatever it was that he got called on Herbert. Yeah. yeah. And uh it was a great pass rush by him. Yeah. I mean, he, he hit a swim move and then had a little bit of speed to power there. And it just, it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they can fix it. They just, I, they just got to simplify things. It just is what it is. And again, I, I think figuring out that balance between man and zone coverage, and maybe it's more too high safety stuff and putting the trust in, you know, Barnes and Campbell and Anzalone and maybe even Brian Branch down in the box. Um, but I, I think Walker and Joseph, they need to stay back. I don't think they need to come up as much as they do. So that's where I think Kirby Joseph would tear it up. I really do. As reading reading the eyes of the quarterback and making plays on the ball. 
And I think sometimes getting cute as opposed to uh, just dialing up things that you know would work is it is detrimental mm-hmm. where I think if you did play something as generic as a cover two with, you know, two high safeties, Kirby Joseph being one of them, you let branch play in the box. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of, that's just like generally how you run your defense. It's a much simpler way to do things. Yeah. I'm sure there are significant limitations to doing that. So that's the balance is what does it give you as opposed to what do you lose? Um, I do think that there are elements of it's, it's, it's a little overly complicated and uh, the amount of communication that they have to, that they have to, to do to rely upon one another, to know exactly what's happening um, potentially is problematic. You know, instead of, instead of just like you mentioned, you can't think and play fast. You just can't, it's, it's impossible. It's got to go. So that's it. In a nutshell, I think, you know, and everywhere on the defenses, you want them to play a little faster and just to be a little more aggressive in getting to the quarterback. Um, Obviously, it's pretty pretty easy, you know, if you get to the quarterback or make the quarterback uncomfortable a little quicker, makes the job of everybody in the back end a little easier. Right. So I think that's where both we're both seeing um and feeling is there's just we would just want them to go get it you know quit messing around and widening and playing contain and all this other stuff and just go yeah yeah no and uh, i mean we'll see what happens this week i mean we we got the bears and we we move on i mean we beat the chargers let's talk about playing contain this week (laughs) (laughs) right we got we talk about getting rid of contain and we're probably gonna have to do a little bit more contain uh because justin fields quarterback of the bears is expected back um, he had an injury to his thumb on his throwing hand. Um, we'll see what he does as far as a passer. I think there's still going to be some limitations in it. Um, but he's been off. Wasn't there before? There, well, that's the whole thing. He was limited before. What an arrogant douchebag. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have said that because you know what's going to happen. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make some throws that are just ridiculous this week. Yeah. And, and I'm going to blame myself. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to have a long look in the mirror at that at that comment right there. Yep. So that's going to get clipped, and that's going to be on Bears Twitter and Facebook everywhere, and it's your fault. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, but I mean, okay, so Fields is back, and the Lions, they should be worried. I mean, that that's the main question here. Should the Lions be worried? Are the fans worried? I mean, we, we would love to know. Are you worried about Justin Fields? Let us know in the comments below. Uh, here on the Detroit Lions podcast on YouTube, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your podcast platforms. But yeah, I mean, you should be a little bit worried. I mean, the, you know, they played them last year. It was it was a tight game. One of the games was 31-30. Um, and then the other game was 41-10. The Lions absolutely, you know, trounced on them. But I, I think it's it's one of those where, you know, maybe Fields provides a spark to a, an offense and to a team that really needs the spark right now because their season's done. I mean, they're done. Yeah. Um, but I think that's really where the worry comes from is this is this is probably it for Fields, this stretch coming up. I mean, they could very well shut him down if his hand is not right um, in, a, in another two, maybe three weeks. By December 1st, December, you know, second week of December, it, it could be Fields done and they're, they're shooting for the number one overall pick to figure out yeah. if it's Caleb Williams or Drake May. It's possible and, and, you know, you would understand it completely. Uh, I do think that from a Lions fan standpoint, being at home and being able to get loud uh, 
and keep them a, a little bit like, like what it looked like on the road as opposed to being at home last year where he looked rattled in that game. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those, this is definitely one of those, uh, you know, get after him, but understand that, that he is going to run with the ball. You know, historically, or at least in the last several years, I think to be fair to what this Lions team is, running quarterbacks have really hurt them. But I think you just take that. Like, all right, you know, um, we, you got to look at these long runs as almost like long passing plays with fields. So you expect that you're going to give up a few of those, and that's okay. You're going to get some turnover-worthy plays. You know that's coming too. And if you get pressure on him, he's a different player. Where, you know, and I know they have DJ Moore now. They didn't have him last year, but it's still, you know, you feel pretty comfortable with what you're doing both offensively and defensively that at home where with where both teams are right now, you don't, you don't feel like threatened um, while understanding that you, you do need to respect Justin Fields and his ability to do just about everything as a quarterback. It's just. Can he consistently do that for four quarters and beat you for four quarters? And I don't know that he can. Uh, He is going to make some huge plays. You just got to accept it. It's just how it is. Yeah. No, and you're right. I mean, there's probably been over the last year and a half, two years, there's probably been no quarterback as mobile as him. And that has given the Lions a harder time as far as trying to contain him and, and prevent him from running around. I mean, last year in both games, he had over 100 plus yards. Uh, in both games, even though they lost, um, but he struggled as as a passer. I mean, last season he only completed you know fifty two percent of his passes against us. So, like that's the key. I think if they can shut that down, he can run around. That's fine. I mean, the Lions run the football just fine, and the Lions are going to be able to throw it around. And oh, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where you know as we preview this game. The Bears are getting healthy. Nate Davis should be back. He's going to move to right guard. Tevin Jenkins is going to move to left guard. Um, they got Braxton Jones at left tackle, and then they've got uh, the, the kid. Yeah, uh, no, no, right, the guard no, right, right end. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's at uh, he's at right tackle. So like they're they're okay up front, but yeah, again, I'm I'm not. I'm not overly worried about it uh, because, again, I think the hand is going to be limited. I think it's one of those where they know it's a division game. They're going to try to play spoiler, and they, I, I, I just, it feels very uh, Matt Stafford rushing back type thing <laughs> that we've seen in the past with his hand and yeah, oh, yeah. those types of things. And I'm not overly concerned. I, I think it's a big game for JMO. Uh, Dan Campbell t- came out today and talking about how JMO is really earning his keep and. I think when he says stuff like that, I think that means you start putting a game plan together to get him more touches. And I'll be honest, this is now back-to-back weeks where Jared Goff missed Jameson Williams wide open. Wide open. Yeah. Yeah, and they tried. I mean, they got the ball to him and he scored last week. It was a phantom, ridiculous call. But um, Yeah, what is this call? What What does this even mean? I don't even understand it. So I think it, I think they viewed the defender as still being inside the tackle box, and you can't cut you can't cut block them. So why are running backs allowed to cut a linebacker that's blitzing? I have no idea. No. It's an asinine call. Whatever. I don't know. I don't have. I, <laughs> I'm just a guy on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the what the answer there is. Like that that seemed to be what they were trying to intimate that the call was. Yeah, was that you know he was still. I mean, it wasn't like a, a chop block kind of thing because he it was just Decker. I don't even know if Decker touched it, but it was still 
So, I mean, they, they're trying to get JMO involved. Yeah. Um, we have talked about this repeatedly. Jameson is still engaged. And when, when he stops being engaged, I think then you can say, okay, I'll, uh, the alarm bells are out right. or, or, or up, you know. Um, it's It would be great to get him going and get him, you know, doing super exciting stuff. This it feels like it feels like we you know so I think it's a disservice to for us to come up here and and talk every week about about a game and call it like a trap game which we have done in some ways but understand where that's coming from is that there's respect for everybody you play mm-hmm. and every team you play is it, it, there it's that's an NFL offense yeah right and they have they have highly paid defensive players on that defense. So it's not like this is just a pushover, you know. Now, having said that, the Lions should be in a really good position, and you know, aside from the you know the few big plays that you know you're going to give up, you know, as long as the line as long as the Lions play a reasonably um, you know a good football game and they execute, they should be fine in this matchup at home. They should be, but yeah. you know, um, but I'd love to see Jameson Williams get get more synced up and i think that's what campbell is talking about today when he talks about him feeling like he's a part of this yeah is all right they're starting to develop to develop some rapport and some understanding together where each of them need to be to help each other i hope that's the case because if that's the case this offense is going to go from a really good offense to i don't want to even you know, you don't want to say that you're one of the, you might be the best offense on the NFL with this yep. offensive line and the way they run the ball and Amon Ra and Jamison going, good Lord. I, you know, I, yeah. Well, and that's something we've talked about. I think it's, you know, you, you go back a couple of weeks ago, I talked about golf missing JMO on a throw. And I think it was more so just the conversation of, well, you know, he's just not there. They're not in sync yet. And I, I hope, they're there. I hope they're getting very close because, again, there was a deep, a deep over route. Jamo's wide open, and for whatever reason, Goff is staring down the the fade route from St. Brown because St. Brown's running the clearing pattern, and um, he's wide open. And he double clutches, and then he throws it to him late. He ends up completing it, but Has it could have been a touch been open on an over route though. Like, he's been open every time. I- you cannot cover that with one guy. No. Just so, and so it, you can't, you know, yeah. you just to pass for that. Yeah. And I think that's where the, I think that's where it all kind of comes into play is like the Lions are going to scheme things up perfectly and they're going to get the playmakers, the football, Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, Sam Laporte. I mean, you just go down the list. We haven't even seen anything from Peoples Jones yet. And who knows? I mean, that's another guy that's going to potentially add the same type of piece. That yeah. we've been maybe missing as well. So, and it is, I hope he plays. I, mean, I don't know what anybody else thinks, but to me, one the only place where I could say that the Lions' offense has been lacking is in in the red zone. You know, like let's score more touchdowns in the red zone. But that's yeah. about it. You can't really knock them for anything else. Yeah, and and I thought the play call again in, in, in the Chargers game when they were down there near the one, just running it, running it, running it, and then on fourth and goal, you run the pass. Just keep running the football. Yes. Yeah. Tell your guys, look, it's fourth and goal. We need to we need to hit this, and I think they would have done it. I, I think not using a fullback as consistent. I mean, bring in Dan Skipper, bring in put Pade Sewell back there, and put Dan Skipper at right tackle. I don't care what you do, you yeah. know. 
figure it out that way. Put Brock right at right tackle and put freaking Sewell back there. I, I, you know, figure that part out and you will be way better off for it as a football team. And I don't know. I, I think that's some things that the, that the Lions should do. But yeah, this game, I'm, I'm not overly concerned just because I, I think the Bears are better than they were last year record-wise. It already kind of shows they've matched the win total from a season yeah. ago. Yeah. But at the There's same more time... more danger for sure. Like uh, sprinkled around that entire roster is a yeah. more dangerous unit for sure. Yeah, but I, I just, I think they lack the consistency and they've not been healthy. And I think at the end of the day, the Lions are just a better football team. They're better coached and they're a more in sync football team at this point in time. It, Justin Fields coming back is great. But it's hard for a quarterback to get back into the rhythm in his first game being against Detroit on the road in Detroit. Like that's going to be a tough game. For it is a tough task. It really is. Yeah, and he's already struggled before. So I think it's one of those where you're asking for him to do a lot uh, in his return against one of the better football teams in football. But we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe I'm eating crow next uh, next week, which we'll figure out next week. You how you loan. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll we'll see how we do next week's show. I mean, we'll we'll have a, a Packers preview. I think we just got to figure that out because of the holiday. Yeah, um, but we'll we'll figure that all out. But I don't know. I don't have anything else. I don't know if you want to add anything. I'm well, I'm good. We're good. Yeah. No, we're we're good. It was a it was a great show. Look, Lions are seven and two. There's nothing to be upset about. They are back into the the national media eye as a Super Bowl contender. Um, and, you know, when you look at records, you know, as far as best teams in the NFL, it's the two teams that were in the Super Bowl <laughs> and the Lions. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. The Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Lions. Good. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow us on Twitter at RussNFLDraft, at Bischoff underscore Scott. You guys, of course, you need to rate, review, and subscribe to the Detroit Lions podcast here on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Um, Lions are seven to two. We got the Bears coming up. We're excited. Um, we appreciate all the support, all the commentary. So reach out to us. Keep engaging. Keep talking to us. We love it. Um, Scott, you got anything else? Nope, we're good. You guys have uh, a great week. Yeah, he's Scott Bischoff. I'm Russ Brown. This is the Detroit Lions podcast with Bischoff and Brown. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes! <laughs> You've had enough of that shit.